Hi finance leaders, Patrick here. Before the show, I wanted to invite you all to the CFO Connect Summit on September 27 and 28. It's free, fully virtual, and features finance pros from recent unicorns, VC firms, and plenty of traditional enterprises too. You won't find a better place to meet, learn from, and network with the modern finance community. And again, it's completely free to attend. Just head to cfoconnect.com and click the red banner at the top of the page. Now, it's time for CFO Year. Oh yeah. How does that fit in to a cohesive, larger vision We will always have enough cash around. Strictly business. Business. Hi, finance leaders, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I explore how finance teams drive growth with the leaders who are actually making it happen. Today, I'm speaking with Rose Pankunis, founder, CEO, and CFO at Sudozi, which modernizes how companies manage vendors, headcount, and budgets. It lets you see financial commitments, streamline spend requests, and collaborate among budget owners. And the name is a play on the Chinese expression for counting beans. Rose previously served as CFO at Scale Factor, VP Finance at Funbox, and was regional CFO at Uber in the US and Canada, in addition to running pricing globally. In fact, she tells a really interesting story about a $50 million a week spend on just one promotion. She was the first data analyst on Apple TV and was head coach for high school volleyball teams and started her career as a software developer at Goldman Sachs. We spoke about her challenges as a first time founder, raising a very healthy seed round in May this year, and why CFOs need better access to data in real time. Today's episode is brought to you by Spendesk, the all-in-one spending solution that puts finance teams in control with 100% visibility into company spend. And by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.com and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.com with any questions or feedback. Rose Pankunis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Patrick. Great to be here. We're very happy to, to have this conversation with you. And as we always like to do, I'd, I'd love to just have you introduce yourself, tell us your career journey and what's brought you to uh, your position today in Sudozi. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Well, um, going back, I've always been uh, very quantitative um, early on, even in middle school and high school. And I, um, in undergrad, majored in a number or tried to major in a number of things, but wound up majoring in economics. And in early in my career, I was uh, very focused on analytics and data science and very quantitative fields. Um, about, uh, about a decade ago, I started stumbled into finance um, at, at Uber. So I was uh, brought in to run pricing. Um, this was at the time when Uber was just transitioning from black car to UberX. And the, the pricing role was really um, a, a central role to partner with all of the general managers around the world as they launched uh, UberX in their markets. Uh, and, and some markets were just launching Uber Black Car too. And so there were a variety of business models we were working with. 
And uh, as you think, pricing is very core to the financials, the revenue, um, how much you can spend on uh, incentives, promotions, how much you can spend on growth. And so I found myself in this position in finance where I um, was influencing all of the main lovers of the business and really started to love finance and um, and not only the finance part, but also the accounting part. Um, so thinking about when you launch pricing, you know, how does the revenue impact um, the uh, the accounting treatment and how does the whole uh, workflow operate from procurement all the way through to FPNA? Um, so, you know, got into finance, really enjoyed it. Um, as Uber grew, um, I also grew my career on the team and wound up running big chunks of the finance department, um, overseeing a large PNL, uh, particularly in the U.S. and Canada region, but also influencing global um, global PNLs. Um, then I left Uber in 2017. You know, it was, a, it was a fantastic ride, fantastic experience, but I did feel like I wanted to be part of something small again. And so I joined Fundbox, and it's a B2B technology company. Um, using data science and AI to automate lending decisions, uh, particularly for SMB. So uh, one of the original fintechs in um, helping businesses work through uh, working working capital gaps and um, how do you help small businesses not have to uh, put together a, a lot of paperwork, go to a bank and really be able to get a lending decision very quickly right, to help them keep uh, their business going. And so in that company, I took on a VP of finance role. I oversaw your traditional finance functions from um, accounting through FPNA, investor relations. Um, we also, I also took on a capital markets role in that company because uh, we did lend money. And so there was a, a, a debt component of that role, which is really interesting. Um, fast forward a little bit, I took the CFO role at Scale Factor here in Austin. Um, so I'm based in Austin, Texas these days, and uh, that's what brought us here. And um, unfortunately, the company uh, wound down during COVID, or at least the beginning part of COVID, COVID's still going on. Uh, and I took some time off to decide what I wanted to do. And I kept on reflecting back to some of the challenges I had as a CFO of these growth stage tech startups, where... I knew that there was an opportunity for technology to accelerate my workflow and to help me and my team get more done. Um, but at the same time, the tools were not readily available. And um, you, we, you know, there were enterprise solutions that were $100,000, $200,000 with consulting fees. And I, you know, we weren't ready to bring that on to our, our team. But um, so I decided to start Sudozi, which is um, a real-time finance tool for basically hyper-growth companies to help automate the the workflow around getting data together. Um, so whether it's the approval workflow or real-time BVA insights, um, helping you with the data layer so that the finance teams can be spending more time partnering with the businesses and helping uh, each department think about what are the best decisions to make to help grow the company. Fascinating. And and that company, I mean, Sudozi is now a year and a half, a little bit older. How have you found the process of actually running the company, founding and running the company, uh, you know, yourself? Yeah. So coming into this journey, I've uh, fortunately ha did have some fundraising experience. I've had experience in leadership at companies, but um, you're, you're never going to have everything right going into a founder type of role. You literally have to have, uh, you're, you're literally running every single function, especially in the beginning. 
And what I found really helpful is um, being able to um, build a great team, honestly. Um, we don't have a huge team, but it, uh, it's really taught me firsthand how um, I, I can't do everything. And I do need to partner with excellent people in engineering and product and biz ops um, and marketing to really um, grow the company. And it's, it's an experience. You know, obviously, I've had wonderful teams previously in finance, but it's really been an interesting experience seeing this leadership and, and this team building from the other side as a founder role. How does it, how does it work kind of day to day for you to be both the CFO and the CEO at the same time? It's all about prioritization. Um, I go into every week, usually a slightly larger chunk. So let's say every month with um, some priorities and, and the team is so small that we talk, we, the whole team talks about these priorities. Um, so we you know, discuss whether it's product priorities, um, marketing priorities. And ultimately what we're getting to is, you know, the company has these goals in the near term, which levers can we pull to uh, move them the most uh, which things do we still need to be doing, right? We always need to be building more product. We're, we're, we're building a strategic finance tool. There's a lot to build here, right? Um, and so how do we make these trade-offs day-to-day about what things that we spend our energy on? Um, and, you know, it, it's about the priorities. Um, for me, you know, no one else is running finance. So I, I am wearing that CFO hat. But at this stage, um, there aren't as many complexities as there are at a Series C or a Series D company. Right. And so there are fewer complexities, but there are still, you know, I manage all the forecasting. I manage all the investor relations. So there's still a number of things to do, but it is really balanced out with the growth and proving product market fit at this early of a stage. And on that, you, you just raised nearly four and a half million in a seed round. How, how was that process? Yeah, that process was um, it's definitely interesting, very different from later stage rounds. You know, I've been uh, part of say series B later on. And um, typically in those rounds, you have uh, much more data to go off of, right? The company typically has at least a few years of record in terms of growth, um, marketing dollars, how efficient those that spend was, um, your headcount, you know, how much have you been spending on different people? Uh, what type of organizations or how, how do you, how have you divided up your departments internally? And the um, the fundraising is really about how that next tranche of money can be used efficiently to um, to energize the company to have more growth, um, whether have new products, etc. Um, so that's really that slightly later stage fundraising that I've been a part of, which which is very data heavy, right? So having your data rooms, um, your models, all the scenarios prepared. Um, in the this pre-seed seed round, uh, it's a lot about the story and more macro conditions, market conditions. How um, how is my software? How is our software going to fit into the trends that are happening outside? Right, and so think about where Sudozi is fitting in. More and more companies are um, turning to a blend of contractors, vendors, uh, and not just full-time employees. Right. And so we really help with the vendor management, the approval process. Um, there's also um, Slack and other tools being used more and more, especially in this hybrid work environment. And so how can finance have a tool that fits in 
with the other workplace tools that are being used and how can finance really be an accelerator of the business rather than just doing the reporting component. And so telling the story, uh, you know, my founder story, my why I believe in, in this, this sector, um, and of course, having some metrics and projections, but not nearly as intensely as it was um, or as it is for later stage fundraisers. And you mentioned kind of trends and focus points for other companies. What what are you? What has your attention for the rest of 2022? What are you most focused on? Um, for us, it's really, um, and any company, uh, seeing where those macro environments uh, go. You know, Patrick, you speak with CFOs every week. I'm sure you hear different stories and different um situations based on the company you know it is very company specific you know some some industries are are hit worse than others just depending on what type of revenue what where you are in your life cycle how much runway you have um so for us it our, our focus honestly hasn't um it hasn't dramatically shifted that much real we we are still early stage we are still trying to uh prove out our product market fit and and seeing how understanding how finance leaders are leveraging the technology and the tools that are out there today to change their processes, whether it is, um, you know, their monthly close process, you know, what, what, what processes can you do before the month actually ends? Um, how about reforecasting? How about communicating? What sort of data are you sharing with your de- department leaders um, especially as you're trying to keep track of budgets more closely and be aware of spend during the month. And so um, for us, it continues to be understanding what the wave of trends are for different finance leaders today, um, but also just like any other company, making sure that we are within our burn range. Um, we are growing in a, in a way that we expect it to and, and that our um, our metrics are, you know, performing the way that we had, you know, we, we thought they would be earlier this year. Think you have company cash under control? You may have a process to pay people back, but company spending is so much more than expense claims. Spendesk gives you one system to replace your old-fashioned company cards, track online payments easily, and process supplier invoices faster than ever. Whether you're a growing startup or you've been doing this for decades, it's never too late to upgrade. Graduate from basic expenses to spend management today. Try Spendesk. Do you think finance leaders and and CEOs, I suppose, as well, can overanalyze situation, you know, the, the macro trends and all of that kind of stuff. Is there a point at which you're better off just staying focused on what you need to do and not worrying so much about the bigger picture? Yeah, of course, there's always the ability to overanalyze. Um, I think the danger of having data is that you may extrapolate certain circumstances to situations that may not be relevant, right? And so you can overanalyze what happened last week on the markets but then this week might be totally different. Um, what I'll say is, you know, it, it's great. I think it's really fantastic that CFOs and CEOs are aware of what's going on. I think uh, one where, you know, they could have big influences on the company is actually communicating what's inside their head and what insights they already have and sharing that out with the broader organization. Because sometimes I've experienced that the organization is not as um, caught up 
in the markets and what's going on day to day. And so actually spending you know a little bit of time sharing those insights and explaining to the company what's going on may go a long way. Um, but yeah, of course, I mean, there's no way CEOs and CFOs are going to stay out of what's going on in the markets. It's just making sure that what you're reading and, and uh, is applicable to um, your business and any major decisions you're making uh, for your business. I think that's a really good point you made about the communication it, because it's it's something that's come up a lot in, in our company and, and I know companies from friends and things where people like me who are not in the finance team constantly reading about market crash, tech stocks through the floor, all that kind of thing, and really not knowing how that relates to our company. Um, so exactly as you said, the, that's where the role of the CFO can can really be to put things into perspective for the rest of the team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and particularly uh, on a personal level, right? Like how does it, if you have stock options, how does it impact options? How does it impact hiring? How does it impact your team? And I know sometimes you can't always share all the details because there's still discussions. Um, but to the extent possible, you know, sharing that with the team and, and also reiterating the, the main mission and, and who your customers are and who you're serving, right? I think there's a big opportunity in those messages to um, kind of like you said, Patrick, continue, stay focused, right? You're still building a great product. You're still serving millions, you know, not hundreds of millions of people. And so continue to work towards your customers and, uh, you know, this phase of the, this phase of the uh, macro environment will, will pass, um, but continue to stay open communications um, between the team and the finance and leadership. I'd love to go back just briefly to your time at Uber because, um, you know, during, during the prep for this interview, you shared some, some interesting numbers. For example, that when you were at, in charge of, of pricing over there, uh, you were signing off on a $50 million a week promotion and incentive budget. Um, which I think will be pretty mind blowing to a lot of the people listening. How how does it feel, frankly, to be signing off on that much money regularly? Yeah, it, it's um, it's definitely nerve wracking, you know. But also at the same time, um, it uh, it wasn't just us, right? If you added up all our competitors um, in, in you know all different parts of the world, Europe, uh, China, Brazil, India. Um, there was a lot of money being spent and, uh, we wanted to stay competitive. So, uh, this is actually, you know, the very beginning of, of, of an internal tool that we built that wound up, um, you know, leading to some parts of Sudozi is essentially when you are making decisions on that volume of spend every week, there's no way you can go into all the details, right? You need to find a balance of being aware of what's going on in the main strategies and, and letting people who are the experts in those markets really execute. And so we would have different policies of, hey, if this is a, a new type of campaign, if you wanted to track you know, this driver type of uh, incentive, whether it's a weekend incentive or something like that, um, there, was a, um, there was a communication, whether it's, you're going to laugh, it, it might have been on email, it might have been on Google Forms. So we were making, you know, tens of thousands of millions of tens of millions of dollars of decisions over email and, and Google Forms every week. Um, but there there needed to be some communication back to the finance team about what was happening with that money and, and why that, that strategy was taking place. Um, ultimately, we, we did automate more of that. And so 
if you decided as a general manager to provide an incentive to this cohort of drivers, we actually could systematically then tag those drivers and then understand, did this incentive you know, actually work the way that we intended? So did they drive extra hours? Did they do this behavior? Did they uh, you know, take, take this type of trip? Um, and so that, that volume of spend and that volume actually encouraged us to build better tooling and to build better understanding of where that money was going. And I think you can generalize that to other parts of the company too, right? Of course, you're not being, you may not be making that much, you know, those types of decisions every week, but you still are making, you know, vendor decisions, headcount decisions, whether it's monthly, right? Definitely annually or quarterly. And um, being able to sort of systematically track and understand if those investments you're making are getting the outcomes that you want at the company. But yes, yeah, so, um, going back to those, those uh, tens of millions a week that I, I, I don't think I'll be at a company that makes those types of uh, that, that type of market decision um, anytime soon. And just a follow up question on pricing, because it's something that I've been uh, talking about and thinking about recently. Do you have a strong opinion on clearly back then in Uber pricing was, as you just as you explained, part of the finance function, a certain section of the finance function. Do you have a strong opinion on who should be involved in pricing and where it should sit within the company? Should it always be finance for you? I've a lot of people are talking about it being a product you know, having analysts and fi- and pricing experts within the product organization rather than within the finance organization. Absolutely. And I'll say, I actually feel um, that it's not that important specifically which department it's in. I think more, much more importantly is the person who is running pricing and, um, or, or what, you know, if, if it's that person's full-time job or even it's a part-time job, um, the type of person who is running pricing, because it is so integral and it touches so many different pieces of the company, um, it's the type of person who ne- needs to at least be, uh, they don't need to be best friend, but they need to communicate and have good collaboration skills with all different departments, right? Like you just mentioned, pricing is a huge part of the product in many companies, um, but it's also part of marketing, right? Your messaging, your positioning and pricing impacts all of that. Um, and and at, at Uber too, um, you know, pricing was a big part of legal, right? Like, um, and so working with legal is actually a, a huge part of pricing that I didn't expect going into the role. Um, so I think less important, you know, specifically which department, but more importantly, the type of person that you have and and the culture that you have at the company to be able to be transparent and and communicative on the pricing strategy and actually the the quantitative aspect of pricing. And so. At Uber, um, you know, we were, I know usage-based pricing is a very big trend in SaaS, but Uber is ultimately usage-based pricing, right? Like every single ride you take is going to be driven uh, not only on one metric, but actually a combination of different metrics, right? So uh, the the distance, the time, uh, some other factors in there, um, there's tax, there are tolls. And so uh, we had a very quantitative, you know, sort of usage-based pricing model. And, and that was, um, you know, it just happened to be within finance, but we worked very closely with product and other teams to um, decide on that and, and for different markets too. It was not static based on the market. And so, um, yeah, I think it really matters who the person is and, um, and the department is important, but not as important. 
And just lastly, on on the the Uber and Apple p- portion of your career, do you ever do you ever miss being in those in those huge organizations, or are you uh, you're much happier in the smaller um, company that you founded? Well, today I'm definitely very happy where I am. Um, it's really fascinating to really build the company zero to one. Um, one thing I'll say is I, you know, when I was at uh, so I was at iTunes, um, now Apple TV, and uh, at, at Uber and both those organizations, I was with, with, you know, basically one to three people in the finance and, and biz ops world. And so, um, I was a second strategic finance hire at Uber. So I, I, I don't, I don't think I miss the huge components of those companies, but when I was there, the majority of the time I was there, it was actually decent, you know, a small size, not as small as we are now here at Sudozi. But, um, for me, I, I personally really enjoyed just that early phase of company building and um, being okay with testing things out and it, uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And that's the excitement of it. And so it's really just a personal preference. There's nothing bad about being in a larger company. Um, but it's where I found that I've been most successful and enjoyed the most. Were there any challenges? Well, I'm sure there were challenges, but any particular challenges founding a new company during COVID? Uh, one of the big challenges was just that we, I couldn't network and meet as many people as easily as um, I, I think, you know, if, if we we're in South Park and uh, in San Francisco and going to all the networking events. And um, and so I had to be very purposeful about scheduling meetings, um, you know, doing some Zoom sessions, but not not, not the traditional, you know, get a group of potential founders together and network, you know, that type of thing. So I had to be very specific about how I, what meetings I scheduled, how I used my time. Um, so I do miss, um, you know, hearing anecdotes of other people going through their founder journey. I do miss those early, early days of even thinking about the idea and, and being able to brainstorm with other people about that idea. So uh, I miss that part. I would say, you know, overall, I've really enjoyed, um, the experience. I don't think COVID has had too negative of an impact. I mean, if anything, it's opened up this um, uh, this normalcy of working from home and um, working in a hybrid environment. As long as you're communicative, you're you're going to stand up and um, being purposeful about the team meetings and things like that. And so, I think it's accelerated the ability to form the type of company that we have. Um, but there are certainly aspects of in person that. Um, especially early on that I missed out on. Uh, but we do have in-person meetings now. So um, that's been that's been great to, to see everyone once in a while. And, and last one on, on Sudozi. At some point as you grow, you're going to have to give up, I assume, the CFO side and be the full-time, uh, be only the CEO. How will you know when that moment comes? Or perhaps I'm backwards. Maybe you would rather bring in a CEO and, and stay CFO. How are you approaching that? Yeah, I, I'm very open. You know, I don't, uh, well, I, I love this hybrid role that I have now. Um, you know, my, my bet would be that it's easier to hire a CFO than it is to hire a CEO. Um, but, you know, maybe let me check with the board, hope they're in agreement with that. Um, I think it's a great point. You know, any, how I would advise any other founder on when it's time to bring in you know, a head of finance or director of finance to start, and then eventually to VP finance and a CFO. Uh, I think when there is um, 
you know, this is more of a metric, but like that late series A, series B timeframe where you are um, thinking through a, a number of opportunities within the company of how to invest the money that you have, right? So thinking about uh, whether it's more growth, what type of growth, what channels uh, you want to grow in, what type of product you want to build, uh, and, and who you need to hire for, for the product and, and other uh, parts of the team. And so, you know, that the stage where I'm spending more time in the scenario planning than I think I should be, and there are other opportunities for me to um, grow the business. Um, so typically what I see is like late series A or series B, um, but, but that could change given our market. Maybe we go earlier and we have this opportunity for the head of finance also to play sort of a customer success role in because we partner with strategic finance teams, right? So is there anything on FP&A? Is there anything on strategic finance? We can actually work with more closely. And so um, I think, yeah, I think definitely by, by you know, by that series B point, um, but, but maybe earlier. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you've got to check out CFO Connect, the global community for modern finance leaders, like the ones on this podcast. We host monthly events and workshops, have a private Slack group for CFOs, and a one-on-one member matching program. CFO Connect membership is free, but reserved for experienced finance leaders. So if that's you, head over to cfoconnect.eu and apply to join us. All right, we're going to turn now to our quickfire questions. Uh, so the first one, what is one finance tool you couldn't live without? Uh, you know, these days I, um, and, and reflecting earlier in my career, I actually think QuickBooks um, does a lot for small businesses. There's a lot you can do um, on top of QuickBooks too. And it's, it's a really great, um, I know some people don't like to call it as an ERP, but it's a, it's a starter ERP, if you will. And I think it's a really great, <laughs> cheap way to, to get something going for the company. If there was one part of your day-to-day you could outsource completely and forget about, what would it be? Oh, I think it has to be the food preparation. And so um, I have a one and a three-year-old and there's constant um, bottle making, food prep, snack prep, cleanup. Um, so that, that component of it. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I ever received is really, um, I don't know if this is advice, but just a, a note uh, uh, people will always remember how you make them feel, right? So in that moment when you have a deadline or your boss is calling for something and you need something urgently, um, it's always important to be respectful of the people who you're on for your team to um, communicate the goals and, um, and 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 don't be as harsh, as particularly on email or these, you know, electronic communications, you know, doesn't always come through as you want it to. And so people always, and people aren't going to remember the specific task you asked them to do or whatnot, but they are going to remember how you made them feel. And I think that's uh, important to keep in mind. Uh, it's a great one. And finally, which other finance leaders do you talk to or learn from regularly? Um, I'm in a really fortunate position where I get to speak with finance leaders multiple times a week. Uh, and understand their pain points, their growth um, trajectory, whether it's, you know, we just closed our Series A through, you know, we're, we're late stage, we're looking for a, a fully robust uh, planning tool. And 
uh, I draw inspiration from all of them. I really enjoy my conversations and, and I try to pr- be helpful where I can. Uh, sometimes I, um, sometimes I'm more helpful than, than others. Um, and I think that finance leaders are really a unique bunch in that we are all fairly quantitative in different ways, but also um, we have our, our relationships with the different departments. And I think no other function um, really needs to have both, right? Uh, of course, you you do need your, your specialty in your department, but the finance leaders that I work with and I have ex- um, you know the opportunity to speak with on a regular basis, they they're really straddling both, you know, they're in the models themselves sometimes, and then they're going to have an all hands meeting or communicating with, you know, making a big decision with the CTO. And so it's been really fascinating to watch them operate day to day, especially now. That's wonderful to hear. Rose Plankunis, thank you for so much for joining us on CFO Year. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Till next time. CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. Just visit cfoconnect.eu.